Smash Africa. Keeping you company on five nights. 7 to 10 p.m. Tonight, we are talking about financial abuse in relationship and what it looks like. First and foremost, Sean, can you can you define financial abuse for us? What a heavy one. Uh, but essentially what's happening is that we have a situation in which there are people in a relationship and one of those people um, tries to control the other's ability to acquire or use and maintain financial resources. And what's important for me is that we need to actually look at it in the context of domestic violence um, or gender-based violence because that's where it fits. Uh, A lot of us think that GBV is limited to just verbal abuse or physical abuse or emotional abuse, but a major, major part of it is actually financial abuse where the one party then tries to take control of the other party's finances or in the instance where it's just the one party who's working that particular party then uses that to their advantage and makes sure that they starve the other party of financial resources or access to money so that they can control them. That's the essence of what financial abuse is. And in that definition, you've also given us what it looks like. Mm, mm, Indeed. Um, It looks like lack of access to money and to resources. It looks like situations in which if there are income disparities, so let's give a hypothetical situation. The one person is in a well-paying job. They earn, let's say, 100000 a month. And then the other party is earning 5000 a month. Then you hear the other party saying, well, we should go 50-50 on everything. Knowing fully well that the other party does not earn as much as they do, so they have more of the financial muscle, but then they use that to their advantage. And so this one person is left in a situation in which they have no resources whatsoever. They spend every single cent of the money that they have, whilst the other has thousands stashed somewhere that they are unwilling to share. Mm. Um, But it's also looking like someone placing a heavy financial burden on the other party. In a marriage, it can even look like a situation in which you are always forced to contribute to maybe the in-laws on one side, but then it's not balanced because the other in-laws on the other side don't get anything at all. So the money is going in one direction, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to talk about <clears throat> excuse me, the first signs that you are with someone who's financially abusive. You've touched on... Um, l- hypotheticals if you like um but for someone listening and thinking this happened could that be the first sign that i'm with someone who's financially abusive what 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 could you say in your opinion are some of the first signs or the foundation signs yeah so if somebody tries to control your use of your access to money that you have earned or you have saved already that's an indication that there's a problem somewhere. So I'm not saying that couples can't sit together and make decisions together on finances. But if somebody wants to retain control over that and says, give me your payslip and give me your bank statements and I want to see what you spend money on, um, or they use your assets for their personal benefit without asking, they take money from you or use your credit card without permission, um, or even go so far as ruining your credit history, or record rather by running up limits and then not paying the bills, or borrowing money from you without returning it, or feeling entitled to your money or your assets, and feeling as though they have control over you to such an extent that they demand that you turn over your paycheck, your your um, online banking passwords, your credit cards, your 
bank statements and expecting you to pay for heavy financial obligations or bills that they know you are incapable of paying for because of the amount of money that you earn. Um, all of that is actually an indication that there is definitely um, something going on there. And it points for me, it points to financial abuse. Can someone who um, withholds information about how much they actually make to their partner or their spouse be considered um, uh, the first sign that there could be financial abuse? I would consider that a sign because for me, if we're saying we're building a partnership, then it should be, be it should be based on honesty, it should be based on transparency. So if we have 20 rand in the house and we're supposed to know that, okay, I bring 10 rand in the house, you bring 15 rand, and then we, ex- we spend it on X, Y, Z. I do not understand the reasoning behind why you can't let anyone know how much you earn. In that case, then why are you married or why are you in a relationship with that particular person? You hear all sorts of stories. Some people go so far saying, well, I'm scared if she knows everything um, with regards to my finances, then she could kill me and (laughs) live off my money. Then maybe you shouldn't be married to that person or you shouldn't be in a relationship with that person. So for me, that's definitely a, a, a red flag. It's important that they be honesty and transparency at all times. And these are actually some of the, you know, we've, we've, Throughout all the series that we've had, mm-hmm. we've had discussions about foundational conversations. These are some of the conversations that people need to have with regards to when we're trying to build this relationship, whether it's a marriage or just a relationship, what is your money personality like? Are you a spender? Are you a saver? What inspires or what informs that particular money personality? Because we've got different money personalities. Some, because you come from a background where there was a lack or where there was poverty, you then become to a large degree somebody that tries to save, but you could become excessive and you become somebody that's actually stingy and that is uptight when it comes to spending money. And that could end up hurting people that you're with because you have so much potential to provide so much more, but you don't because you're holding off um, because of your particular money personality. Mm-hmm. So these are discussions that, I need, that need to be had. What is your vision for yourself when it comes to finances? What is it that we're trying to build as a couple? How do we get there? Um, what is it that you struggle with? Are you somebody that spends too much? And do I need to help you keep your spending in check? That's different from me trying to control you. That's us trying to make sure that we play off of each other's strengths. Mm. and we minimize the weaknesses that are there. So these are all very important conversations that people need to have. Now, I spoke about someone not revealing how much money they make. Lying about how much money you make um, Again. to your partner, is, does that also fall under financial abuse? <clears throat> Indeed, because then what it means is that, well, probably you've got alternative plans they shouldn't know about. Uh, maybe bomb mabanyaga kitchen and you want to build that kitchen or renovate it <laughs> without your partner finding out. So based off of that, you then do not disclose how much you earn. So automatically, that's another red flag, right? Mm-hmm. And I know maybe maybe some of the things I'm saying sound idealistic, but truthfully speaking, if you're going to build a successful relationship, then honesty and transparency about finances with regards to finances needs to be a central part of it because I think I've given stats before on this show where I've said 45% of marriages in South Africa end in divorce before 10 years, and one of the major reasons given is finances. Mm. So that goes to show you why that's such a big issue. If we don't sit and say, okay, um, even before we decide to take the plunge and get married, what is your credit history like? 
Um, do you have a great credit record or not? Um, what do you owe and how much do you owe? How do you plan on paying that back? How is that likely to affect us if we try and build a life together? If we don't do that and if we're not honest about what we earn and how to increase whatever it is that we earn, if we don't have financial goals together in as much as we must also have individual financial goals, then what are we building? I like that. Now, I also want to touch on the concept of the the mother controlling the finances of the household um we we have heard where like in in other family situations where all the money that comes the mother controls it and mm. how do we address that one um with also making sure that we are not abusing our spouses in the control we have over the finances of the family so it doesn't matter like in terms of who's earning more who's earning less but it's Mm -hmm. all about i am the one who's in control of the finances in this house you must sit down um Mm -hmm. how how do we juggle that one because some households are going through that yeah um negotiated settlement where we say what are our financial obligations per month what is it that you're able to contribute what is it that i'm able to contribute the second you allow third parties to get involved, then we have a problem. Mm. Uh, because ideally, whatever it is that you earn is for you and your spouse. The second that you allow anyone else to get into the picture, then it becomes problematic. Because as we know, obviously, my family would be manipulative towards me. They would call me up, for example, and maybe demand 100000 And then if I say to them, well, I still have to speak to the wife about it. All of a sudden now the demand goes down to no, uh, even one thousand is, is fine mm. because they know they they are used to me. I'm their fan, so it's quite easy for them to be manipulated. So again, the two of you need to present a united front. None of you must ever be sending money to anyone else without the involvement of the other, because what you're also doing, if you send money secretly to your side of the family, what you're saying to them is okay. You can disrespect my partner. So now. What that means is that they will forever give direct requests to you and bypass your partner, who's an essential part of your marriage. And if essentially, if your partner finds out, then <clears throat> obviously that's a cause of conflict, and that's where the problem starts. So ideally, if <clears throat> my parents make a demand or ask for something, I should present it to my partner. I would actually ideally prefer that she gives them the response, whether it's a yes or a no. Because in that way, I'm showing them that, listen, you cannot treat me as though I'm single. Mm. I am married or I'm in a relationship with someone and it's quite serious. So we make financial decisions together. So you can't be calling me to the side at a family function and asking me for money privately. Call me and my spouse and ask both of us for money. Because then you're showing the respect that you ought to be showing in the first place. But ultimately, um, it all boils down to what is the agreement we have as a couple with regards to money? Mm. And is that agreement being honored? If it's not being honored, why isn't it being honored? How do we fix it? Because if we don't fix it, I can assure you, three, four years down the line, there will be a divorce primarily because of that. Everybody gets to a point where they feel, but I feel I've been taken advantage of. You're forever sending resources to your side of the family, for example. And in other regards, I actually even have to send my own money to your side of the family. When it comes to mine, they don't get a cent. Mm. That becomes unfair then. 
So I think that it's about conversations. I think that it's about transparency. It's about honesty. But also, it's really just about presenting a united front. If we sit, it's mm. also about strengths and weaknesses, right? Mm. So I'll give an example. Between you and your partner, there's somebody that's excessive with spending. And there's somebody that's excessive with saving. So what you then need to do is to strike a balance. Okay, how do we make sure that you, your particular weaknesses when it comes to money don't destroy us as a family? How do we make sure that my particular strengths with regards to money don't also cause friction within that relationship? And then we negotiate that and we work it out from there. You know what's, <clears throat> what's amazing about this um, what's amazing about this conversation is that when it comes to money chats, generally yeah. as a people, we are not transparent. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting for it to that that transparency that you speak of to just willy nilly exist without the work. It it chances are it's not going to exist. Let's talk about the things that we can do before um, we address those who are financial abusive, what they can do to change. How do we address the topic of transparency around money with our partners, with ourselves, with our spouses, um, in terms, in the name of having a healthy, growing relationship? So the thing is, these are things that ought to happen even in the beginning of the relationship. Um, the reason, the sole reason why we have dating, dating is sort of a an experiment of sorts before you decide to settle with someone. So ideally, all of these things should be happening when we're dating, where we speak about these things. We speak about money. We speak about our money personalities, our weaknesses, our strengths, etc. But now, a lot of the times, we're just way too busy worried about the fact whether somebody is handsome enough or the type of car that they drive, we don't focus on the important conversations such as these. Mm. And so we need to go back. If you've not done it in your relationship and you're listening, it might be wise for you to actually go back and say, listen, there's an important conversation that we've not had that we need to have. Um, let's sit down. Let's talk about earnings. How much money do you earn? How much money do I earn? What are the financial obligations that are there? And how is it that we can improve upon the income in the house minimize the expenditure, but also teach each other the good money habits that are there. So saving, investing, etc. You would be shocked the number of people that are in relationships wherein the one party is financially well off, the other is struggling on a month-to-month basis. And these are people that are married or in a relationship, and you wonder what sort of marriage or relationship that is because of the income disparity. And yes, it's granted. I understand we will not do the same type of jobs and we will not get paid the same type of money. That shouldn't matter, ideally, in a good relationship. But we're seeing it play out. And then people, this is actually one of the sources of the abuse that a lot of people suffer from, where the one party has so much financial muscle that they then feel invincible and they do whatever they want in that relationship because they know that the other party is financially dependent on them. Mm. So the one thing I always advise people is, regardless of how much you love your partner, make sure that when it comes to finances, make sure that it, when it comes to upskilling yourself, um, go, whether it's going back to school or doing that course, make sure that you're doing everything you possibly can to earn extra income if you can, so that you are independent, such that when you are with someone, you're with them, simply because you want to be with them and not because you are dependent on them. 
Because the second you become dependent on them, then you become prone to abuse, um, whether it's financial, it's physical, or it's emotional. So conversations, conversations, conversations. It's so crazy that you mentioned that part. I, I know some people who have left their jobs because their partner asked them to leave their job only to be the one who's dependent on the partner and uh, the abuse um, lives and they live with it and you know it, it's so crazy now let's touch let's touch on those who are financially abusive mm. um and and in in terms of how or what must they do to change their abusive ways their financial abusive ways um as always my position is we should start from a place of love when you love a person from time to time you need to carry out an introspection with regards to that particular relationship the things that i'm doing in this relationship are they helping or hurting my partner if they are hurting my partner then i should sit down self-introspect and ask myself how i can do better and this is why i always advise couples to actually have conversations regularly about their particular relationship what is it that is going wrong what is it that's going well because this is how we pick up on some of these things. It's the same way um, in which a car has to go for a service over time to mm-hmm. improve its performance. So the same applies to relationships. We ought to sit down and say, okay, let's speak about this particular relationship. Let's speak about money in the relationship. Um, are things working out the way that you want them to work out? Are there things we can improve on? And do not be defensive when someone says to you that they feel you are either financially abusive or you could do better in terms of um, finances or availing resources to them. Because when a person expresses how they feel, we ought to take that seriously. It's not about you. It's about understanding how the other party feels and trying to make sure that you mold or change your behavior so that you don't keep hurting that particular person. So the sad truth of the matter is, Smash, very few people will actually get to admit that they are financially abusive. There will always be very good reasons as to why they are doing what they are doing, even though the truth of the matter is that they are just abusive and they are self-centered. But they will find ways of justifying that. But if you're actually somebody that's interested in changing, then it starts with having a conversation with your partner and checking in on them and saying to them, are they the way that finances are structured in the household, is it working for you? Is it burdensome for you? What can we do to improve it? A lot of the times, that conversation becomes difficult to have. Remember, I linked financial abuse to gender-based violence. Mm. And I said, a lot of the times, such people are so manipulative and controlling that even their partner is so scared of having such conversations with them. And that's already an indication of the fact that this is actually just abuse, nothing more. It's not about saving. It's not about budgeting. It's just about somebody being um, financially abusive. So firstly, they would need to acknowledge that they have that particular problem and then be intentional about making positive changes. If they can do it themselves as a couple, then they can always reach out to therapists, counselors, etc., who will be able to assist them. Sean, thank you so much for your time and for your insight. And I hope uh, those who are listening uh, got to learn uh, something um, around financial abuse and uh, how close it is to gender-based violence, essentially at the heart of it. I really appreciate mm-hmm. your insight, my brother. Thank you, Smash. One time. Five nights with Smash Africa. Smash Africa.